Good morning, everyone. Well, welcome to church, everyone. It's been really lovely catching up with some of you during the week at Connect and the URC. Um, I hope you had a really lovely, dare I say the word Christmas in January? Should I? No, I won't. I won't mention it. This morning we are, we're here to meet with God, aren't we? That's the only reason. We're not here for any other real reason. Our primary focus this morning is to meet with God together. So I'm going to pray for us uh, and then we're going to explore what God has for us today. Father God, we, we just... We just like you, to, Father, to, to shut off the week that we've just had, whether it was good or bad, Lord. Just close our minds to what's gone before and help us this morning to concentrate on what you have for us this morning. Help us, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit to open up your word, to explore your word. Help us, Father, to worship you, to praise your name, Father, this morning we seek only your face. Help us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Triana, you're going to come and read our scripture for us. And pray for you. Lord, we thank you for Triana, Lord, and we just ask that you... You empower the words that she speaks, Father. These are the words that you yourself, Lord Jesus, have spoken. So, Father, we pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that these words would reach out of, off the page, out of Triana's mouth and into our hearts and souls, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. The readings from Luke 18, verses 1 to 6. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. Amen. Oh, and could she say that to her patient? Oh, yes. And will, and n- will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Thank you, Triana. So we've got a parable, one of the little stories that Jesus uses to emphasise a point and to educate his little band of followers and whoever really wants to stay around and have a listen. So Jesus, at this point, had been travelling around. He'd been around Samaria, um, preaching and teaching to 
Well, Samaritans who, you know, the Jews did not like the Samaritans. They thought they were a bunch of uncouth heathens. They did not like them at all. Uh, Jesus had just healed some lepers uh, in, in that area. Uh, and he'd also been talking to, once again, the Pharisees, who were following him around like a bad smell in a lift. And they were trying always to trip him up. So Jesus then turns to his disciples and tells them this parable. And I think uh, we can probably say that the Pharisees would have been in earshot. They would have been hanging around going, I wonder what he's going to say now. Uh, probably lies again. So Jesus turns to them and says, um, in a certain town, he doesn't want to name a town, this is a parable, it's relatively fictional. There was a judge who neither feared nor cared what people thought. Now judges in those days were not the wig-wearing, robe-wearing uh, old men that sit in a little wooden box going, or none of that business. They were not those types of judges. They were slightly different. They were there to look after those who needed justice. Who needed justice most of all? Well, it was the poor, the needy those that didn't have any means of acquiring justice for themselves. They needed an advocate, someone who had power and authority to deliver justice to them. And this parable focuses on a woman. Now, women in those times were not really equal among men. They were, I wouldn't say second-class citizens, but they often felt like it. They had to fight for everything they had. But this woman was no ordinary woman. She was a widow. Now, a widow was seen as almost powerless. She had no man to look after her needs, to look after her, her children. She would have been in a very vulnerable position. The fact that this woman comes to a judge shows you that even the marginalised, even the people who couldn't find justice could go to someone without fear. She approached the judge expecting help. Now that's a really good thing because this woman is in a powerless position. She is seeking someone who she knows will fight for her cause, right? So that's a good thing that she felt empowered to be able to go and do this. And what happens? Well, the judge just goes, turns his back. So she goes to him again. I need justice. There is someone attacking me. There is someone chasing me for who knows what, a debt or something. There is someone after me and I need justice. Now, the fact that she says I need justice says to me 
she was in the right. Okay? She was the one in the right. She had a cast iron cause and she just needed the approval of a judge to implement the changes and to help her out of this situation. Now, this judge continually ignored her. Now, think what you like about our justice system. It's not the best in the world. Uh, it's not the worst in the world. But generally speaking, you can at least get heard. They might not actually do anything, but they'll at least give you the common courtesy of listening for a small fee. This woman was continually ignored by this judge. So, she couldn't get justice. She was being hurt yet again. Now, we're going to go back to Exodus. All the way back. All the way back. Because the Bible interprets itself. So what happens in the new, you can find causes and find solutions in the old. So in Exodus 22, there's a little subheading of this section called social responsibility. Now this is where God is giving the law to Moses. This is, remember they've come out of Egypt, they have no um, culture of their own. They're slaves, they've been told what they should do think and act for generations. They are almost just these, there's nothing home, lights are on, there's nothing in. They don't know who they are. They need someone to tell them who they are. So God gives them these instructions. And he says, do not take advantage of the widow or the fatherless, which is nice, that's good because God recognises that these women are in a dangerous position. They have no one to fight for them, protect them, to feed them. So he puts down lots and lots of laws in place for widows and orphans, because God's heart is really, if there's one marginalised group of people that God really has a heart for in the Old Testament, you will see it is widows and orphans. And he puts lots of things in place so that anyone who loses their husband or anyone that loses their parents, they are taken care of within the law. They have legal protection. There is an onus on the family to look after widows and orphans so that they are not left for dead. Now, that's quite a, a straightforward thing, is it? Do not take advantage of the widow or the fatherless. And so what they did, they put judges in place to make sure that the widows and the fatherless get justice. But there's a little caveat. If you do take advantage and they cry out to me, I will certainly hear their cry. So they may get ignored, but God will hear. And then the next verse, my anger will be aroused, Ooh, and I will kill you with the sword. 
The sword being the word, the word of God. Not just an actual sword. He will not just put you to death. He will judge you with his word. And that, my friends, is the ultimate sword. You cannot escape that. And you will feel the cut of that sword deeply. Your wives will become widows and your children fatherless. So in other words, you may you lose your life and your wife will become a widow and your children will become fatherless. But in a real sense, in a spiritual sense, you will be separated from your wives and children for eternity. In other words, you are going downstairs if you do not uphold the cause of these people. So this judge in the New Testament that Jesus is talking about, and the sad thing is, this was a parable, but I'm sure they would have all related to it. The judges were largely just like this. That's what they had become. Some of them were Pharisees, which probably won't surprise many of you. They were not interested in God's word. They were just, well, if they're not interested in God, this discharge, if he's not caring or about the people and he doesn't fear God, where does he get his laws from? How can he mete out justice? Because this is the book, or the Torah, as it was then, that was the book that was supposed to have the law in it, right? That's the book that he should be using to mete out justice. But he doesn't fear God. And if he doesn't fear God, then he's clearly not using this, is he? So where is he getting his ethics from? Not Essex, ethics. Self-serving, most likely. If he's not listening to the poor who can't pay him, he's obviously listening to the rich who can. You can buy justice. We see that in our world, don't we? Right now. If you can afford a good lawyer, chances are you can afford to be free, to get away with stuff. But this parable isn't just about justice for widows and about people not upholding the law. This is predominantly a parable about prayer. And you find a lot of parables have this kind of message in it that talks about if even a bad person can grant justice, how much more can God? You find that a lot in parables. How much more can God? Remember the one about the gifts. If you can give good gifts to your kids, how much more can God give to you? And it's about persistence in prayer. Now you get a lot of people that pray about something. Who's, who's prayed in the room? Who's ever prayed? I want to see every hand. That's good. If you pray, do you get an answer? Yeah. Get the standard three answers. Yes, 
No. Wait. So when you get that answer, and the issue is still nagging you, what do you do? Pray again. And it's still nagging you, and you pray again. And you pray again. And you pray again, and you're thinking, I'm getting fed up with this. I've been praying for this for years. He's either not listening or he doesn't care. Well, the parable shows us he is listening and he does care and he will answer it and you will get justice. It may not be the answer you want, but you will get justice. If someone has wronged you, it will be righted. Maybe not here. But when we meet him face to face, you will get the ultimate justice. Of course, you might also be judged for the things that you've done against other people. His justice is perfect. But the persistence is the key here, and that's what Jesus is saying. Because he wants us to keep badgering God He wants us to, because it's important, because it shows something really important about you. It shows you, or him, that you have faith. So if you've ever prayed about something, you haven't got an answer, and you keep praying, and you still don't get an answer, this parable is for you, because it tells us that Jesus says, keep badgering, keep praying. You might not get your answer in this world, but keep praying. Because all the time you keep praying, you are expecting, you are talking to God, you are submitting to his authority, you are saying, you have the power to bring me justice, I accept your authority Please, can I have it? That is what he wants us to do, to keep praying. Keep badgering God. Keep on asking. Because all the time you are asking, you are showing him you are faithful. That you want him. The really scary bit at the end here, It says, listen to what the unjudged says, uh, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice, and quickly. Now that quickly is his time frame, not yours. However, here's the kicker, when the Son of Man comes... Now remember, this is Jesus talking. So he's saying, when I come back for the second time, the second coming, will he find faith on earth? There is the whole point of the parable. Faith. Because if you give up praying, I'm not, do you know what, I'm just going to give up praying. I'm fed up. 
I've been praying for this thing for years, and it's never come. I keep asking God to win the lottery, and it never happens. I keep asking for healing, and it never happens. I keep asking him to remove that awful habit that I have, and I never seem to get the strength to do it. I keep praying that my son, my daughter, my husband, my wife, my brother, my sister, my friend will be healed. And I never see it. So I'm going to stop. And in that moment, God learns something about you. Because you are saying so much to him. You are saying, you are an unjust judge. You can't deliver my needs. You are no longer the person I'm going to go to when I have a need. So persistence in prayer is hard, but it is a fruit of faithfulness. Keep praying. Don't give up. Not hearing an answer, keep praying. The scripture says, cry out to him day and night. You will, he will see that you get justice. You will get your answers to prayer. He will heal, ultimately, the perfect healing. He will bring justice. We see in our world, don't we, how the rich and the powerful seem to have these incredible lives, truly blessed lives, don't we? We see world rulers swanning off all around the world, enjoying themselves. We see these people on social media who have these perfect lives and nothing ever goes wrong and it's all perfect and it's all wonderful. And here you are sitting there in this storm of grief, of pain, of hurt. And it doesn't seem fair. And you cry out to him, why? Why do the rich get what they want? Why do these people, these wicked people, seem to have so much power and authority? And they will use that power and authority against you. They own you on this earth. They have the power to make your lives miserable. They can lock you up and throw away the key. You can be put in prison. Your life in some countries can be taken from you because they don't agree with what you're saying. And we call out to him, why God? Why God? Stop this God. Stop this God, please. And yet it carries on. Well, I'm telling you, don't stop praying. He will bring justice. He will bring answers in his time, according to his will. Not ours. 
his. In the end, all things will be made perfect and the judgment of the Lord will be perfect. Those that need to be punished will be rightly punished. And if you're in Christ, your sins have been washed away. But you need to keep praying. Prayer is communication with God. That's it in a nutshell. It's communication with God. What God is saying here is keep talking to me. No matter what you do, do not stop talking to me. Because it shows me that you have faith in me. And what can faith do? Well, it can move a mountain. A mustard seed of faith can move a mountain. So if you put everything you have into faith in God, into praying, imagine what he sees. He sees not a timid little person. He sees a warrior. We often talk about prayer warriors, don't we? I've certainly known a few in my time, those people that come along to prayer meetings or people that you... You, you ask them for prayer, look, can you, can you pray for this? And they will go home and they will pray the heck out of it. They won't just go, oh yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, I'll pray, for, I'll pray for that. And then forget, these people go home and they pray until something happens. That's faithfulness. Will you resolve to keep praying? Even though you can't hear an answer, will you resolve to keep praying? Because there's a lot riding on it. So much riding on it. So to that end, I've noticed over the last few months, we have prayer meetings and I sit there a Monday morning and two people will turn up. Or some nights on a Tuesday, we started off really well. We have sometimes 15, 16 people in a prayer meeting. I think we've even had like 20 plus in a prayer meeting before now when we first started. When, when we really needed something, when everything felt like it was really bad a couple of years back, we all had something. We all rallied around. We prayed the heck out of things. And then things started to get all right. And church kind of was coasting and it's all right. And then people start, well, there's nothing really to pray for now. It's all good, isn't it? It's all nice. So I won't go to the prayer meeting because, you know, we're not in dire straits anymore. Tuesday evenings. There's been Tuesday evenings. I'm sitting there, half past seven, waiting by the door. And waiting, and waiting. Quarter to eight, eight o'clock, there's no one there. What happens to a church when prayer drops off? Church closes. The church closes. Simple as that. Because if we don't gather to pray... We're not showing faith, are we? 
We might pray in our homes. That's fine. That's great. But there is something about a church that comes together to pray. And we do it on Sundays, and that's great. That's fine. And prayer meetings aren't for everyone. Some people get a bit weirded out by, you know, us dancing around. We don't dance around the room. But it is important that we gather for prayer. Vitally important. And we've stopped. Now don't worry about me having a moan up. Because I'm the least of your worries. What's it saying to him? Why would he bless us in this church if we can't be bothered to gather together and pray? I'll leave it there. No, I'm not going to leave it there. I know many of you are incredible prayers. I know many of you pray doing mundane things. Who prays when they're doing the washing up? Anyone? Yeah? Pray when you're doing the washing up. Who prays when they walk the dog? Who prays when they're doing some really monotonous task like loading the dishwasher or uh, doing the washing? Who prays in the shower? Anyone pray in the shower? Yeah, that's a great place to have a pray in the shower. Anywhere else that people pray? Anywhere else? Car? When you're driving? Toilet? Yeah, been praying in the toilet. Yeah, sometimes those prayers get answered. <laughs> in bed. In bed. Fishing. Who prays when they're doing their hobby? When you're doing something you love doing? Yeah? That's really good. That is fantastic. You are to be commended. Because what you're actually doing is sharing with God, doing something you either don't like doing. I don't like doing this, so I'm going to go and spend some time with God while I do it. Fantastic. Or you're doing something you absolutely love and you're including him in it. That's great. Persistence is the key. Don't fall off the wagon. Prayer is important. Now, if that means doing more washing up, I can come round your house and make a mess in order for you to pray whilst you're tidying it up. I do it all the time with Laura. She doesn't know that I'm, that's what I'm doing. I've, sorry, I've let the cat out of the bag now. <laughs> but, you know, you just said that you pray while you're doing the housework. So if I make more mess, that's more prayer. You can thank me later. Yes. <laughs> prayer is so important. And we're going to be looking at prayer throughout the year. We're going to look at different aspects of it. We're going to look at how you do it, why you do it, when you do it, over the course of the next year. It's going to be a real focus back on prayer again. And I know that so many of you are so good at it. Remember we had that healing um, session and people were just, you just broke off into groups and you were praying um, people that had never prayed out loud were praying. It's so important for us. You don't know the power of prayer 
but we have to persist and keep on praying. And I just want to pray for you. Father God, we, we see in your word that you want us to pray. You want us to seek justice. You want us to seek healing. You want us to seek your face. Lord, as we go about our week, help us, speak to us in those quiet moments. Speak to us in those loud moments when we're feeling distracted. Lord, just give us that poke and say, talk to me. Come sit with me. Father, I pray now that we will commit ourselves to really praying this week. Not just once or twice, Lord, but continually through our our weekly lives, as we go about our business, Lord. Help us to persistently seek your face. Amen. When I was uh, preaching, I was back of my head, I'm trying to think of uh, people in the Bible that are, listen carefully, persistent pleaders. And one name uh, was chief amongst those in my head, and that was David you read Psalms, most of the Psalms were written by him, and he was constantly, constantly praying. Um, there's about 50% of him going, thank you so much, everything's wonderful, and you've answered every single prayer, and then the other 50% is him going, oh my goodness, where are you? I just want to read you Psalm 13. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts? Day after day, I have sorrow in my heart. How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death and my enemies will say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall which would be really sad if it ended there, wouldn't it? But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. Even though he was calling out and feeling God wasn't listening to him, he turned that into a prayer itself. So instead of just thinking, well, there's no point praying, he's actually saying, where are you? Are you listening? You need to be listening. Hello, I'm praying to you right now. That's the majesty, the absolute brass nads of the man that he turned his almost despair at not being heard into a prayer to be heard. Look at that. When you're feeling like he's not listening, shout a bit louder. Be encouraged. He is listening. He is always listening. The trick, the trick is to be persistent. Now we're going to close and I want to pray for you as we go into the week. It's January. It's gloomy, it's getting cold. 
So, Father God, we know that you're listening. We know that you're here, Father. You've heard every single word we've said. And, Father God, every single word we've said, you can take an eternity to listen to it, to mull it over, to act on it, Lord. You are outside of time. You can spend a billion years of our time listening to one of our prayers, Father. Father God, I ask you that you just comfort us. We find prayer so desperately hard sometimes. And it's in those hard times, Lord, that we really need to be seeking your face. So Lord, hear our prayers. Speak to us, Father. Bring us comfort and consolation. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, let's say the grace together. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forevermore. Amen. God bless you, everyone, and keep praying. <laughs>